Hello and welcome back to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. This is episode 42 and I'm your host, Patrick Vincent Crown, aka PVC. Hope you're good, hope you're well. Thanks for tuning in for another one. We really appreciate it. Today I'm joined as always by the illustrious Jimmy Starr as my co-host and today's guest makes his return to the podcast. He is the current Falling Star Wrestling Limitless Champion, your favourite vampire and mine, it's Furio. Today we touch on a few very interesting subjects in this recording, and without spoiling too much, there's a section in the middle where we talk about wrestling in a tent at a music festival. Just be aware, this part gets a little bit strong and salty with the language, but in my opinion, it's super funny. So just be aware if there are any impressionable people listening in. Anyways, with all that out of the way, let's jump into today's episode with Furio. Um, do you have any sort of standout moments that have happened in Falling Star Wrestling, whether that's been a match, whether it's been a particular moment, whether it's been even like a, a backstage segment that kind of sticks out to you in, in Falling Star's kind of 10-year career? Yeah, I mean, there's been a few. Um, I mean, even when when I first started and um, Jim put us all in that battle royal, I mean, even that to me at the time, it meant the world because... You know, it's every it's everybody's dream to to step into a ring and and wrestle to experience like if you know if you're coming in be, coming in as a fan, um, you know it's you know you just want to experience what you, the guys you watch on TV are doing and um, yeah I mean at the time that was that meant the world to me, um, but I mean even like a little bit further on when um, we introduced the Limitless for the first time. Um, and being the first champion, I mean, that was, you know, a proper, wow, you know, this is, you know, this is big, you know, it's a new belt. And um, there's a lot of responsibility because you want to, you know, establish it. And um, I think the aim of the of the Limitless belt is um, sort of like the workhorses uh, championships or like the Intercontinental belt. And um, so, you you know, you have, there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of craftsmanship that you have to put into the matches just to keep them exciting. Um, but I mean, you touched on it last on the last podcast um, when you were talking about FSW's greatest moments. And uh, when I came back from my little hiatus. Yeah. Take us through that whole thing. Like from your perspective, obviously we saw it from our perspective and I absolutely loved it, but like talk about it from your perspective, how you, you know, what, what happened? Well, I mean, um, I came back because um, when I was on my break, I just um, I just got sick of <laughs> sick of it. I thought, you know, I was watching wrestling, and um, I was like, oh, you know, I just can't hold back anymore. I want to get I want to get back in there. Um, and when I came back, I said to Jim, like, I don't want to like, you know, be you know, you know, be put pushed or anything. I want to work my way back up. I want to, you know, if everyone else has been grinding while I've been off, I want to do the same. Um, but like when it came back to like putting myself back on shows and whatnot, I didn't want to like, just like, just do something where I just walk out and Hey, there's Furio again. I wanted to like make it a little bit special and just, you know, do something different. So, um, so when I, the match, I think before I left was a battle Royal and it's when Jack won the Limitless Belt. Do you remember that? That was a Christmas show, wasn't it? Christmas Rumble. That was a Christmas show, yeah. Um, yeah, Jack won the belt from Ash. And um, I think it seemed natural 
for me to sort of like pick up where I left off. So um, I can't remember. No, actually, I do remember. It was um, Ash and um, Robbie, Robbie Reed. Um, they had a little singles. And yeah, like you said, um, Ash was antagonizing me. I was wearing the mask um, and sort of like, you know, sort of civvy clothes, really. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was quite funny because, like you said, like people were sort of like, I was like in like face sympathy for just being <laughs> no mates in the front row. <laughs> um, and even like, I, even during the interval, like someone came up to me and asked if they, if they, if I wanted a drink, if I wanted a pint. And I was, you know, I was like, no, I'm fine. Um, but yeah, I was like, you know, investing myself in the show, like cheering for the faces, booing the heels. But when Ash came out, I was just pointing and laughing at her. Um, and, you know, just to wind her up. And um, yeah, at the end, I, because Robbie, um, Robbie won the match, and I just, you know, just freaking just heckled her and laughed, and then she got on the stick and said, "Come in the ring and show us what you got." And um, yeah, I got in the ring and yeah, just went into like Furio mode and took the mask off, and it's you know, it's what it did take me by surprise because you know I didn't expect like people to you know be so sympathetic and, and you know so welcoming and nice I, I was expecting like oh yeah there's furio but not like a proper freaking roar that just freaking launched the building off the off the floor you know it's just it was it was they did take me by surprise and i was like oh yeah fucking shit this is you know this is quite special because you expect a reaction when you come back a little bit and whether it's just like a little hey there's that guy but like i don't know Jimmy, you might be able to develop on this, but I don't think anybody expected that kind of reaction. Like, we probably thought, oh, this would be a nice little pop. This would be kind of cool. And you guys will just go off and do your sort of merry little business again. But it just, I don't know, it was, it was just a moment and it happened. We we're all there. And, you know, I spoke about it before. I had goosebumps and it was just like, this is cool. Like, yeah. Well, the thing is, the thing is I, I don't remember a lot about the night, but the, I, the, the couple of things I do remember was... Um, when we spoke about the whole sitting in the crowd and, you know, like with a mask and all that sort of shit, I remember thinking to myself, um, that normally doesn't work. People know that it's a worker there, you know, they're on the road. People can tell who they are, you know, da, 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 da. it just doesn't, just doesn't normally work. But the thing that sort of sold it for me was, you know, you had been away for a while. Um, you know, you, you, it, I think we did it. I can't remember what part of the show we did it, but I think we did it. We didn't do it towards the end. So you weren't sat there for too long. I don't, I don't even think you sat there for the first or second match. I think you came out a little bit later or you might have sat there for the whole show. I, 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 I don't remember, but I just remember thinking there's a chance of this working because you haven't been Furio's not been around for a while, and uh, which was awesome. But the the second thing that that just amazed me, that and yeah, the reason the the fucking roof blew off the place was because obviously, legitimately, no one knew, no one must have known because that you don't get that sort of reaction if people if if the crowd would have suspected that Furio was sat there, they would have been chanting your name. The fucking whole show they would have been chanting your name there would have been one of the marks or smart marks or whatever you know, go Furio, while she was sat over there you know sort of just waiting for waiting for your time to come yeah so so just the fact that people must not have known and if that's the case 
that is fucking fantastic because you know that's what that's the sort of shit I love you love you know we all love just genuinely being surprised and fooled it's like that fucking hell moment it genuinely felt like that you know the, the pop that you got genuinely felt like whoa you know shit it was him you know and that that was just it was just cool man that was just that that was what the, the payoff was for me but you know things like that don't normally work but it was just done it was just done properly and I think that people were just not paying any real attention to you if that makes sense so sense when you're in the crowd and that's that's good man. that's good I thought it was cool man I thought it was really cool and uh, yeah it was a really definitely a a really good comeback because you were you were if, if I remember rightly when you went away when you left you were um, balls to the wall heel but that totally changed everything I mean yeah I mean you can't if you're getting a pop like that you can't go back to being a heel you just have to roll with it I mean I wasn't really you know expecting I mean expecting expecting much to be honest like it was um I was expecting like, oh yeah, it's Furio, that's cool. But you know, when you get a, a nice loud pop and you know the, the fans are genuinely pleased to see you back, you know, you just have to roll with what they want. Um and you know, much respect to the fans who came and 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 watched and whatnot. And it's you know, you can't you can't disappoint them like that. It's not like you can just go back to your old way. So and it and it gave me a chance to be a face with like Furio as you know the vampire. Um, so that gave me a, a sort of something different to work with, which I love. I love um, trying to um, take Furio in different directions and you know try new things. And yeah, it was a it was a great it was a great atmosphere and a great experience. And yeah, it's something I'll remember for the rest for the rest of my career. Um, probably yeah, <laughs> the biggest pop I've ever got. You know? <laughs> Do you think that you did you feel in that moment that you felt sort of like exposed? Did you, were you aware of whether you thought that like the people knew who you were? Because I think I'd be sitting there thinking everybody knows it's me. Everyone knows it's me. This has got to be the whole thing. But like, did you have an idea that you were sort of like, you know, pretty much covered up and nobody knew that was you? I felt comfortable in sort of like a sense, because I've like made sure like nothing was revealing. I made sure the hair, my hair was like proper wedged into the mask it was a full face mask. It was like, it didn't show my eyes, my face at all. It was a horrible to wear. Like, I think it was like summertime as well. And it was really hot. Um, I had the face paint on underneath the mask, which didn't help. But, um, but no, I think like, I think people like certainly like our regular fans might have think, been thinking, all right, something's happening with that guy over there. But I think like, if you're in a situation like that, you can't, you know, you can't give them anything, so to speak. You have to kind of like, you have to work with them. You know, you have to like think, no, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to drop my guard down. I, if, if I have to like jump up and be the crazy fan cheering the baby faces and that's what I'll have to do, you know, to keep the, you know, to keep the um, the mystery. But um, Well, that's, that's that's the thing as well, isn't it? Like Furio as a character and whatever in, in whatever incarnation and even before that when you were sore or whatever character you've been, um, you've never spoke and you've always moved in a very deliberate way. So, you know, if you're sitting there clapping and chanting and, you know, and, and whooping or whatever when you're in the crowd, people aren't going to think, oh, that's Furio over there because they, they know that Furio doesn't talk. They know that Furio moves in this very deliberate way. They know that Furio acts in, you know, is a vampire and, and 
is 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 demeanor is totally different. So just by like you say, just just by blending in, um, you know, people are, people aren't going to notice you. It's, it's not like it's not like maybe if me or maybe if me or Shawnee did it, where our our characters, even though you know, even though we have characters or, or we you know we 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 sort of turn our own personalities up to ten, especially in my case. I sat there in a fucking mask with my long hair poking out and whatever, like no one, no one, when with my accent, and whatever people would know who I was. And the same with Shawnee, but with you, because um, your character is so totally different to the way you are as a human being as, and as a person, you can get away with that shit. And you did get, get away with it. You got away with it perfectly. Like in situations, like, because you have to kind of almost camouflage yourself with the crowd. I mean, I do remember. Um, when the doors opened because it was from I certainly was I certainly was under the hood uh, for the first half and it might have been like the match the the, the first match of the second half where um, where we'd done the thing um, but I remember doing little things just like um, coming out from the toilets while people were coming in so it looked like I'd already got a ticket like when it was the end of all going up to the merch table and things like that um, so trying to like you know work work myself as a as a fan um and yeah doing the cheering and the booing and and whatnot and yeah just and even like when it came to the reveal like just making myself or trying to make myself so deliberate when it came to mocking ash and laughing at her and and cheering robbie and i think robbie even came out when you won the match and raised my hand and made a big deal so yeah sort of like led it the lead up, lead up to it was 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 really good. I thought I was I was quite happy with that. I think Jim raised a good point there. Actually, like if me or Jim had to do it, I feel we would have to do like almost the the total opposite because your character is like mysterious, as Jim said, and quiet. You had that opportunity to kind of like blend in in plain sight. You could be there and people could look at you, but you like Jim said, you, you were acting so different to Furio that people just didn't suspect it. I feel like if me or Jim ever had to do anything like that, we would have to be the complete opposite. We would probably have to be at the back of the room, you know, tucked away in a corner, probably not saying anything because we've got distinctive voices and distinctive looks and, and, you know, hair for days and all that kind of thing that I feel like if we, we would have to do it sort of completely opposite. So I think it was a really smart thing in, in that instance and yeah, everything about it worked and, do you remember how it felt when you got back into into the locker room? Because I'm pretty sure like everybody was just stunned when you got back and like because we I think we're all just, you know, doing our thing in the in backstage, whether it's playing jokes on each other, chatting about wrestling, doing our makeup, hair, whatever, putting our gear on. But then when you hear that roar, that reaction, everybody just literally like meerkats just kind of jumped up, looked around and went what the hell's going on? And I, I was watching it from the curtain because I sort of knew what was going to happen a little bit. Like I knew this was your moment to kind of come out and, and um, show yourself, but I didn't obviously know what was going to happen. But do you remember what happened when you got backstage or? Um, I think like people were shocked by the, um, by the pop. Cause, um, because I think like the Furio character is, is natural. If like you had to, if if uh, someone else looked at it, people would just say, "Oh, well, he's a bad guy." Um, and for the majority, or certainly for a long time before that, you know, that's what I was. Um, even like even in my early early stages when I was a face, I couldn't I could never be the the um, the happy 
happy slap high five kind of baby face because I don't like people. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to be like harsh. Like I just, I don't know. It's not like I don't like people. That's 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 a bit wrong. But like I, I you know, I don't register myself that way. Um, you know, I'd rather like have a laugh with someone than sort of like be their friend. <laughs> um, but um, you know, and that kind of thing like that registered quite like with the fans they kind of like picked that up in my early days so very hard for me to be the be a sort of like white meat baby face um so i think like for that for like the um the pop i got for the character i was for the sort of person i am you know just it was quite shocking because um you know why should he be getting (laughs) getting that pop he's an evil he's an evil prick but um but yeah like i think people were you know, were shocked, but people were happy. I think like, um, you know, people like who, who know me and, um, you know, have known me from the start were happy that, you know, I was part of the show. And um, yeah, I think, it, you know, and it, it, and it did mean the world to me, like, you know, just being back in there and being back in the locker room with the, you know, with the boys and whatnot and just, and just being part of the show. And, and yeah, when I got that pop, it, you know, really lifted my confidence and I just wanted, wanted to do more. I remember personally being amazed and even it, I mean, it made me fucking smile and it? it gave me goosebumps. And I remember you coming back and saying, you know, you, you, you can't leave now. You're our fucking biggest baby face. What, what happened there? Like, you know, but I was so pleased. I was so pleased that for you and I was so pleased that it worked. And um, I was just, yeah, I, I just, it was just a, just a special moment, you know, a special moment for, for Falling Star and a special moment for you and for the crowd. And it was, I, I thought it was, I, I really thought it was amazing. Shawnee, what do you, what's the, um, the biggest pop you've ever got for, uh, um, in, in, in your career, for whatever scenario, whether it be a, promo or whether it be a match or winning a match or something you know whatever um i don't know really i think that's kind of a hard one because i feel like i don't think i've ever got as as big a pop like that that it kind of registered um i'm pretty sure there was a there was a pretty good pop when you know i beat when we did that whole gimmick with the limitless title me gonna give it your back lay down get up lay down get up but i feel like i've not ever sort of reached that like apex of being so over I always feel like I've kind of had a consistent amount of of pop if that makes sense like I don't think I've ever kind of blown the roof off of off of everyone but I don't think I've ever like you know sort of shit the bed or anything like that so I think it's actually kind of hard hard to to kind of recall really um do, do you guys have any any sort of moments that you would have thought that I would have got a a, a big big pop or anything like that because yeah, I'm sort of I'm lost well like in our um Linsport match where it's you, me and Charlie. Um I mean you get the um the appreciative pop, which is like when you jump through the table. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know, how can we not cheer for him? He just freaking just dived his head first through a table. You know, we got you know, you have to give him you have to give him that. <laughs> um but you know, I mean you're you're um because I've known you for Christ getting on better part of 10 years now. Um, and I've known you since like your Sean Simmons days and 
I never thought you could be a babyface. I just Me thought neither. you were just so good. <laughs> I just thought you were so good as a heel, like as Sean Simmons. And I thought, well, fucking, you know, it's going to be a freaking credit to to your ability if you can be a face. But um, but one thing you've always had um, is you're a hard worker. You know, you you are a workhorse. You know, you go out there and you you know you put it all on the line. And if that means jumping headfirst for a table to get a pop, that's what you'll do. Um, but you know, it's um, but I mean, like even like I don't think like out of that match we had the three of us, like none of us came out of that match looking weak. And I think like you coming out of that match, you know, showing what you could do, showing, you know, the amount of effort you're willing to to put into your matches, you know, so like the next time you'd come out, you know, people are gonna give you a nice part because they know what they know what's coming up, you know, they know you're gonna you're going to deliver. This is, a, this is a, sorry to interrupt. This is a three white lens sport you're talking about, yeah? The, yeah. the last one. Well, I guess, like, my, my thought about that, I've never really thought about it, like, how he came out. I guess, sort of, when we went into the match, there was three of us, so there could only be one winner and one loser. And obviously, beforehand, we, we already knew who the winner was going to be, and that was going to be you, Furio. Obviously, we knew, we knew Charlie was going to be the loser because he was the big monster heel going in and he had to get his comeuppance. So I guess sort of my you know crazy dive through the table was was my way of kind of being like hey guys i'm 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 still in this match like don't forget about me this is a big sort of memorable moment that's you know like it was a bit cliche but that was my like wrestlemania moment you know not everybody goes into wrestlemania and wins titles and comes out the victor and and gets the fireworks and the adulation but you know you look at sort of big dives off of ladders that people have done at wrestlemania or crazy bumps or you know big swerve angles and things like that so i guess that was my moment to be like all right i'm not going to win the match but i'm not going to lose the match but i'm going to make sure that you know, next the next couple of days on show, social media, there's going to be pictures of me sort of flying through the sky and crashing through the table, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. So I guess in a way that was, yeah, really quite a, quite a cool moment. I've never really thought about it like that. I just thought it was just me just doing a dumb thing and just having a bit of fun with it, really. I think personally, like with with, with, with you, Shawnee, and your pops, I think, I think uh, uh, Rob brought up a, um, a, a good point. Like you're a workhorse. I think a lot, of, a lot of your big pops come from in the matches. They come from the moves you do. Obviously, you do the Van Damme You do loads of cool shit. You do, you know, you do awesome moves. You do good spots. You can wrestle anyone. Um, people know that when they, when you come out, you're going to get a good match. You're going to, they're going to get a good match. So the, I think for you, like. PVC chant that you get at the beginning, the what's my name, the PVC shtick that you do. I think um, the fact that all of the fans are with you um, when you're, you know, when you do that um, is an extremely good sign. And I think that 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 massive, like, skyscraper pop that you're after... um, will probably come when you were, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, like, like for Craig, you know, when you win, when you win the title or something like that, because we'll build it up in a story where, where, you know, where, where that's, that's how it, how it happens. You see, I mean, even, even like, you know, even, even with me, like the pops that I've had um, always seem to be, you know, fairly, 
fairly similar. Um, you know, they are. They, they, I think, you know, I know, I know how I work with the crowd. So if I'm winning, I get. A pretty, you know, I normally get a pretty loud pop. But I can't. I can't put my finger on one. I, I can't. I, I don't know why I asked you that question because I can't remember a match where I've turned around and at the end of it and thought, "Fucking hell, that was loud." Do you know what I mean? Like, like where I thought that was louder than usual, you know, um, or louder than I thought it was going to be, or, or whatever. Um, you know, it's just been a really good pop. It's just been what 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 I've been what I've been after. But it's for me, it's during the match and those little bits during the match like if you get a really good pop during a hot tag or something like that or get a really good pop during a little mini comeback or or something like that you know that's um that's when i I, you know i'm happy because i know that the crowd are following along with the story that i'm trying to tell or the story that we're trying to tell as 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 wrestlers um so that you know that's that that's just as important as getting that three count at the end you know or or even losing you know it's the story that you're that you're trying to tell along the way like i'll always remember um when i was wrestling windsor and uh matt turned on me hit me with that chair um the visual for that was 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 beautiful you know I'm caked in blood. The ring's caked in blood. I'm, I've, you know, me and Windsor are both fucked up. Um, Windsor's about to smash me over the face with a chair. The, the referee's distracted. Matt comes in. He's meant to be my friend. You know, we've made since we were at school. Da, 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 da. And then he hits me. And just that, there was a stunned silence for a fraction of a second. And then collectively the crowd went, ooh! Like if someone misses a fucking goal in a football match, you know, oh, and it like was this orgasmic echo of shock, and I was like, yes, you know what I mean? We got the bastards, and I knew the pin was go- the pin was going to be flat because it was a loser leaves town thing. Windsor was Windsor was going to win, and you know the crowd was shocked, so I knew that the actual pin was going to be flat, but it was a chair shot where. What, what 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 was the big pop in that match or the, you know not necessarily a, a good pop but you know uh, you know a heel turn and that that was that was a really good moment i remember that was a really good moment fucking hell <laughs> someone's doing a running <laughs> my god let me see this out what my my fucking um, my fucking what do you call it um, tablet plays this random song occasionally, and I don't know how to stop it, and it lasts forever. Yeah. Sounds like an ice cream van. Yeah. Getting quite hungry. The pot, the pot, something normally stops. Maybe this could be a new theme tune to the car. It is good. It's catchy. It is very catchy. Hang on. You talking about pop? I mean, this so, music hits. Yeah. And you come to the ring with this music playing, and you're going to get the biggest pop in the in the building. <laughs> um, right. Do you remember, Furio? Uh, this was a long time ago. I don't know what match it was. I don't know if it was a tag. I don't know what it was. But we were against each other in some way, shape, or form. And um, there was a spot we did. 
Um, and I remember what squat it was. It was, you went to kick me in the head. Um, I laid straight back. So you dodged it. So I dodged it. Um, then I went for the, uh, you obviously swung around with a kick. We're facing with the other way. I went for the roll up. Um, but instead of um, just going for the roll up and the hooking around your leg, for some reason, because you're wearing plebers, those baggy plebers, I put my hand right up your trouser leg. Yeah, <laughs> fucking dick and ball <laughs> and pulls you back. One, two, kick out. And I, I apologize, but I was laughing my fucking ring piece off. You. <laughs> That was totally intentional, and you've and you've always reminded me, like in nearly every training session, every show we've ever done, you, you know, about my member. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking, I, I yeah, I did, I, but I, I I I couldn't believe, like I just rushed to obviously get my arm around your get my arm around your leg to make it look like a quick spot, bub. I put my hand yeah. right up the fucking pleathers and grabbed your prick. And I, I, it was. No, I it know was, you're fun and games, Jimmy Star. That, that was a long time ago, but I just remembered that just a second ago, and I thought, well, it's worth telling on here because it's uh, obviously the people need to know. But oh, yeah. um, everyone must. Everyone must have seen that, and I and everyone must have seen me fucking laughing as well because I was laughing for the rest <laughs> of the night. <laughs> just one of those. One of those funny, funny stories. But we've wrestled each other quite a lot, actually. I, I think, and we've had some, um, we've had some pretty good matches. We've had some pretty rubbish ones, but we've had some. I think we've had some, uh, some, some cool matches. We had a, we had a cool match at um, uh, Heacham, I see. We had a cool match at Heacham where you like gave me a German suplex, and I flipped around about ten times before I hit the ground. Um, yeah. That was- Bit that was uh, good though. I mean, that's um, that's actually on our on our FSW Instagram. You throw me like a um, like a sack of shit and and me bouncing across the ring. Um, but no, that was a good match. Um, and we we had a match at the Gaywood Academy, which was really good. Um, but it didn't get recorded. No, well, it 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 it's. It's, oh, what you mean? Um, you mean when we did our academy shows? You mean? Yeah, we just had like a. I think we were like we we decided to have a match at the end of the show, and um, yeah, I mean, I, we didn't plan anything. We didn't talk about it. We just went in there and wrestled, and it turned out to be a really good match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I, I remember that. Yeah, and we did the the Gaywood Academy match as well, where we actually wrestled in front of the whole school. Remember, that was a tag Yeah, thing. that was good. That's I, where the ring broke. <laughs> yeah. I trained a couple of teachers up for about eight weeks so that they could do this surprise end-of-term wrestling match. Uh, yeah. So I trained them up for about eight weeks, and they were all right. But it was a tag match. It was me and this teacher on one side and Rob and another teacher on the other side. And... Um, I just didn't trust the ropes. And I think I remember saying to the guys, if the ropes break, which I don't think they will, but do not worry if they do, just carry on as normal and do your bits that you're meant to do and me and Rubber work around it. And they fucking broke. The first post in that the guy took, the top top rope broke. But it was a cool match, too. It worked somehow. It worked. The, 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 the kids just thought that it was meant to happen. I think. So, well, they didn't well, know it was gonna like they didn't expect a wrestling show in like their 
uh, African assembly break, let alone with their with two of their teachers. And um, you know, it was a nice shock for them just to um, just to see that and yeah, see their teachers in the ring doing um, doing moves and um, having a roll around. Um, but but yeah, that speaking was quite fun. Of, speaking of speaking of pops, actually, that was a really big pop. Like when yeah, the it was. Uh, yeah, that the whole thing, like when the uh, when the what do you call it? What, what the teacher, one of the teachers, the teachers started fighting and shit. That was that was chaos. That was really good. Like that was really loud pop. That was that was fun. But that was just something. That was just something totally different. The um, the, the the I've always said as to to any trainees that. Um, you know, you can work any crowd, <clears throat> whether they're fans, casuals, whether they don't like wrestling, whether they, you know, they love love wrestling. You know, whether they don't know who you are, whether they do, you can work any crowd if you find that little niche. And I believe that I thoroughly believe that up until about fucking two years ago, when we did that show at two in the morning in that fucking. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best shows we've ever done, Jimmy Star. Like. It's- like oh, that, it was me and you, was... wasn't it, Johnny? Yeah, what what was that called? It was um it was like a music festival in Suffolk, was it near Ipswich? What was that called? Yeah, like Maui Wowie. That's it, Maui Wowie Fest. Oh mate, that's a story, isn't it? I know it wasn't technically sort of falling star resting, but that was that was just bonkers. Like for anyone out there that don't know what this is, it's like this kind of like music festival slash art slash rave slash everybody's there just to get off their face and, and have a good time and then for some reason they booked a wrestling you know a wrestling show at two o'clock in the morning but the worst thing about that was it wasn't the fact like we got there at like i don't know like whatever six seven eight i think i came after work you know you get there and you're waiting around you're like oh what's going to go on you just sort of there you can't really sort of enjoy yourself and have a good time because we were there to like wrestle and mm. then we find out where we're actually going to set up the wrestling ring like, oh it's going to be in this tent oh and you go God. in the tent and there's just people there just dancing to like whatever music it was like house music and then like the dj booth is like was it like pirate themed or something? It was like a big octopus and the stage was there. And we're like, how on earth are we going to get this like wrestling ring into this thing while people are there? And it was like, <laughs> it was probably one of the worst setups that I've ever done. But yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. Yeah. It was a, it was a nightmare because it was arranged badly. The guy who arranged the festival said that he would partition our area off so that when people were dancing, we could set up the ring. Okay, no problem. But he didn't do that. So we had to zigzag all, all the fucking ring poles and ropes and everything. We had to zigzag everything between these drugged up, drunken fucking <laughs> Oh, that was mental. And I remember this dude. And this is the only time, this is the only time I've ever intentionally tried to kill someone, I think. Probably should admit that on the podcast, mate. There was this dude. Well, I, I didn't kill him, so we're all right. There was this dude who um, who was just out of his tree, like just fucked, zombified on whatever whatever drug he chose to take that day. But he was absolute, and he just would not get out of the way. He just wouldn't get out of the way when we were setting up the ring. Every like, it just made life so much more difficult for us, and it was difficult <laughs> enough as it was. And we got the ring set up, and when we were doing our entrances and stuff, he still wouldn't get out of the way. Like he was just stood there, this weird guy who was just off his tits. 
And I knew that I had to do a hardcore match, so I thought, well, I'll come out with something. And I came out with a kendo stick, and it weren't gimmicked at all with this kendo stick. It had a, it was really, it, it was really hard and like whatever. And um, when uh, when I came out and he was stood in front of me, well, it's you know you should wrestling, but you know the fan shouldn't be anywhere near the wrestlers. You know, he, he, he's, <laughs> that's that's the golden rule. You know, East fair East fair game as far as I'm concerned. So I hit him about a hundred <laughs> times with his tendo stick, and, and the cunt still didn't move. Didn't his facial expression. He was fucking just. He just stood. There. All, all he had was a load of fucking horrible bloody marks on his head. He had absolutely. He, he, he had no. He just stayed there, and then proceeded to have the most painful match ever because everything. <laughs> no one wanted us to be there. They just wanted to dance. And the music had to be turned off. They just wanted to dance. They didn't want to see wrestling. Wrestling was the last thing anyone there wanted to see or anyone there wanted to do. And then, me and, then when we packed the ring up, me and Rob slept in the front of the van, drove to Maidstone the next day and did a show. That was all right. That was fine. But we slept in the front of the fucking van. Um, um, drove to Maidstone to do that show over in, um, over uh, for, for, who was it? EWW. Um, uh, yeah, it's Johnny Love, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Johnny Love, yeah, and that was cool, you know. Yeah, it like, was. You know, it was fine. But um, yeah, that that Maui Wowie festival that <laughs> was the, we didn't get us back. It's one of those festivals. I mean, like just to give people an idea of the personalities of some of the FSW guys. So, like when you when we're setting up the ring. <laughs> um, and like like you said, it was in the most tiniest, minuscule spot in the tent. Drugged up, pissed up guys dancing and getting in the way. And you have the likes of people like C.W. Davies <laughs> and Jaden Scar. Davies like, fucking move! Move! <laughs> if anyone was going to kill anyone, it was going to be Davies, <laughs> wasn't it? In the end, Hip and Craig, I think, were a crowd control, actually. They helped yeah. us a bit. Yeah, exactly. They yeah, it was. Back. Because I think I think by the, the end of it, I'm just going to kill some gun. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm as well. I'm as well hold them back and and fucking you know, get a few digs in that way. But fucking <laughs> the funniest thing I saw was um, this DJ who had freaking who was like Mr. Billy Big Bollocks of Maui Wowie came up and was like, "You can't fucking do. You can't you know move me out of the way." Blah blah blah. And he was saying this to Charlie. You can see Charlie getting red in the face. I mean, and Craig comes along and tries to defuse the situation and is like, oh, no, Chaz, Chaz, mate, Chaz, you know, just, you know, just leave him, mate. I'll deal with this. I'll talk him out of it. And so Charlie goes off to the van to get more pieces and I follow him. And then when we come back, we see Craig with this guy. What is wrong with you? Get out of my way, you fucking, what do you think you're playing at? And it's, it's just like, you know, you just, you just can't win, really. And I think in the end, we just had to take matters into our own hands. And if people got, you know, a slight knock in the jaw during the matches, then you know, it's just... Well, that's, just, that's what I was going to say. During our match, I remember, like, a few things about that. And it was so weird because it was like, right, okay, you can go out there, go and do, like, 10 minutes, you know, sort of make it really, really simple. And it's like, right, okay, it's me and you, Furio. I don't think we really planned much. I think we had a finish or something. And it's like, we'll go out there. Um, I think you were the... Were you the heel or I the heel? No, I was the heel, weren't I? And you I just remember going yeah. out there and just being like, okay, nobody really cares. The only way I'm going to get a reaction is if I, like, 
basically swear in people's faces and flip them off. And that got a little bit of reaction. But then after like that, they just kind of got distracted again. So it's like you have to like really, really, really stay on top of them. And then we literally did stay on top of them because I think at one point you went to do like an up and over. And I think I grabbed you and then like put you on the outside of the ring and knocked you off. And I think you, no, 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 uh, it was the opposite way around, wasn't it? You you launched me over onto the side of the apron, basically facing the crowd. And you like, uh, I think you gave me a spin kick or like a, an elbow. And I was just meant to like fall off the apron, you know, onto the ground. But <laughs> obviously people weren't watching us. They were just kind of doing their own thing whether they're in their own little world. You hit me and I'm like, I'm just going to launch myself off the side because it's like grass on the floor as well. So I was like, I'm not going to die. And I like launched myself off the side, clatter into about five different people. Everyone's like getting all crazy and stuff. And then I get up and they're like looking at me like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, dude, like, did you not see us bringing a whole wrestling ring, have an entrance and, uh, and two guys in there half naked, like rolling around they're like, Ooh, what's going on? And then you go up to the top rope, do a big dive on me. We come clattering down again. You're on the floor and some guy, I remember some guy, like I think you accidentally like knocked his drink out of his hand or something. And he comes over to you yeah. and starts grabbing you. And I'm like, um, I'm in character, so I, I want to hurt Furio, but I just this guy was grabbing him. So I grabbed the guy, like pulled him off off of you, and then like picked you up. And I think I like potated you in the head. And I was like, oh, probably shouldn't have done that. But like, I, I don't know why I even thought about psychology in that moment, because I was like, nobody would really care if, if I just got you up, gave you a hug, rolled you in the riddle of the ring, and like did the, the finger poke of doom, because nobody really cared. Apart from one spot, I don't know if you remember that spot. I think it was like, basically we did a bit of wrestling it was like a little bit of chain and then i think it was like go behind go behind push off sleep leap and then you did a swinging head scissors on me and that got a clap and i remember being like oh we got them boys we got them and then nobody did anything else for the rest of the entire <laughs> evening and i was like well at least we got over a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> we got nothing man like literally in that hardcore match we we killed each other we absolutely killed each other like we fucked each other up so much and we got absolutely nothing from absolutely nobody and um i even me and mike even went and fought out in the in the crowd and um i thought right the, the at least one thing they can leave with is the fact that it's legit so i twatted mike in the head as hard as i could three times with the chair and he took it and he, he did, you know he knew why i was doing it so there was no 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 real receipt given but he knew why I was doing it. And um, nothing, absolute nothing. I brained him three times with the chair. <laughs> they, were all, they, were, they were all so fucked up. Like, you know, I, I could have brained them all three times with a chair. They wouldn't have felt it. It was, it was, oh, I, I just remember being standing on the apron, on the, like, standing on the apron. Who was my tag partner? I can't remember at the time. Who was it? Do you remember? It was Big Joe, wasn't it? It was you, you, you. You and Big Joe, no CW. Oh yeah, that was it. I think it might have been. It was. I think it might have been me and Craig or me and me and CW. I don't know. I can't remember against um, Baz and Mike because they were the pit bulls at the time, weren't they? I, I don't know. I can't remember. But I just remember fucking um, doing a promo, swearing a lot and whatever, and then getting on the apron and just looking looking at, uh, at Craig and said, "I can't." This is the absolute drizzling shit. I can't. <laughs> I can't fucking. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. 
just, just, just fucking go mental and see what happens. And nothing happened. And when we when we came back, I went, that was worth it, wasn't it? It's about, about three in the morning, by then. That was fucking worth it, wasn't it? Jesus Christ. I remember what a part of our match they started like playing music halfway through and I was like what the, what are they doing like <laughs> this is going to make it even harder for us to do anything like it was hard yeah. enough because it was quiet we could make some noise and jeer people up and, and try and get a reaction that way but when they started turning the music on I was like there's nothing we can do but then luckily they switched people just it started fucking dancing again <laughs> yeah. yeah and this was all in two in the fucking pissing morning though weren't it like <laughs> We fucking was, we normally clock off at like ten at latest, and we and we and we we stupidly had to get the fucking maidstone the next day for two, yeah, for two o'clock showing in the afternoon. It was it was awful, but it was fun. That's the, that's the thing about wrestling. No matter how no matter how awful it is, it's fun because it's a story like we're telling now, and hopefully people who listen to the podcast, you know, they 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 agree. Like it's it's funny. It's just funny and like. I, I always feel like I know it sounds stupid, right? But I've always wanted to give stand-up comedy a bit of a go, just to just to see what it's like, just to go up there on there and and, and just see what it's like with a mic in your hand and whatever. Because I think there's a lot of similarities between wrestling and and stand-up in a way. And um, but I've always been worried about stand-up, about dying on my ass. But I mean, you can't die on your ass worse than we died that night in any. And I've died before in wrestling matches. We've all died on our ass. But you just don't think of it. You just get on with it. But because wrestling's physical, like, I don't think sometimes you realise you're dying. Or I don't think sometimes you realise you're doing as shit as you're actually doing. Like, because you're just cracking on with it. But as a stand-up comedian, I think you would obviously definitely realise if people weren't fucking laughing. But that 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 show, I realised that, yeah, that was not a good fucking fit wrestling two in the morning because you know uh, even if, if we'd have got there in the day and wrestled at two in the afternoon when the kids were about and families were around outside in the fucking weather that might have been all right but in a fucking tent at two in the morning with a load of fucking <laughs> people on spice like what the fuck's going on <laughs> It was fucking terrible. I could have. I, I was honestly in the ring. I could. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry, shit myself, or just walk backstage and go now and just hit that bloke one more time, see if I could actually kill it. <laughs> I think that just like. Dawned, I think that just dawned on me, like when we were putting the ring away, and you know it probably was an hour long show, so we we'll put the ring ring away at like three o'clock, um, and I was just like. Fucking hell, like we're gonna get two hours sleep and then we've got to drive to, to Maidstone. But you know, you fucking hear the stories all the time. Like anyone, like Johnny Storm will tell you a story similar, or Danny Boy Collins will tell you a story where you know you sleep in the van, you drive and go to another go to another venue. You know, it's just it's just the weirdest freaking experience in the world. It, it weren't the sleeping in the van and shit. I've done that, I've done that. The unnamed amount of times it was just it was a show really more than anything it was it was it was that particular show i don't think i i, I mean you, you a lot i mean that was that was unique not many wrestlers would have gone through that particular scenario if that makes sense like i've done shows in fucking in every venue you can fucking imagine tents nightclubs 
massive fucking book libraries, massive fucking, you know, like massive halls, barns, like every, everything. But the, 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 the people who have been there have turned, who have turned up, whether there's been shit, a shit ton of them or none of them, um, they've all been sat there and been prepared to at least watch <laughs> what was fucking going on. Like, and maybe enjoy it. With that, we were just <laughs> and we annoyed people. And the people that hung around to watch hung around to fucking hurt us because we stopped. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We turn up in their place where they're having a good time and we just set up a ring, wrestle for a bit and just annoy them. It's like, I can imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine going to somewhere and you're like, right, it's going to be great. We're going to go to this festival. It's going to be amazing. We're going to listen to so much music. You know, we're going to have so much fun. We're going to dance. And then like, they turn the music off. You're being told to move out of the way. A couple of guys are sort of rolling around in this, this massive ring thing. You might get your drink knocked over. And then after like an hour, they just pack up and go. And then the music comes back on. And it was like, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going to see a Ramstein concert that you've been fucking waiting for all year? That you'd say that you spent shitloads of tickets, money on tickets for, and fucking like 40 minutes through their show, some twat started walking on the iron path. <laughs> and eventually, a wrestling ring turns up, everyone kicks Ramstein <laughs> off. And you start having a really fucking pathetic wrestling show in the middle of the and like, hang on, don't worry, don't worry, it's, it's all, it's all right. You, you, you'll enjoy this. You, yeah. you can be pissed off. I can see it from their point of view. Now, yeah, can you stop having fun, please? We need to do our little wrestling thing. Yeah. We've been waiting here since <laughs> since yeah. four o'clock this afternoon. Do you mind? Yeah, we want we want our money. Thank you very much. So I don't care if you enjoy it or not. I think one of the weirdest things was about that was um, obviously like we, we kind of set up the ring and that took ages and we were like, we just need to get out there and get gone. And I think it was like, right, Rob and Sean, you're on together, whatever, like Furio's the heel or no, PVC's the heel, Furio's the face because you could do some flashy moves because, you know, we're, we're sort of playing to the to the lowest of the low. We assume that A, they're not wrestling fans, B, they're not interested and C, they're probably not right mentally. And it was all of those. Oh, we just, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were like, right, okay, we'll go out there and it'll be like, right, the heel will be overly heel. The face will be overly face. You know, we'll do some nice little things. We'll do a little head spinning, head scissors. And it's like, right, what we'll do for the finish, right? We'll, we'll really get him. We'll really hook him in with this one. What we're going to do is, right, well, we're going to, you know, I'm going to get you in a waist lock. And I'm going to spin around. You're going to grab the referee and I'm going to give you a low blow and everyone's going to lose their mind, right? Grab the referee, spin around, low blow, pin, one, two, three, crickets. <laughs> nobody cared at all nobody, not even one person looked around and went oh that's a three count they just saw just just talking to each other like the only reason they reacted in our match was a because we were shouting at them and b because we basically jumped on them so that was the only way you could get their attention well you just make the best of a bad situation don't you like i mean you know you know and it's to be honest it's those shows that you remember like i mean we talked about you know the best moments that we've had but you know, as a you know, as a performer, and it's like it's similar to the one we done in um, Chicago's. It's you know, these are the ones you remember, like the ones that just stick in your mind. And it's not like you can vividly remember having that good match you had a couple of days ago. These ones you can sort of almost remember, point to point, start to finish, from the freaking drunk in the crowd trying to get in the ring to the to the drunk in the crowd no selling Jim shit. <laughs> you know, just. You, you know, know, but, you know just, the bastard, the bastard, yeah. 
And that was the thing. Because he fucked the match up completely from the start, if you think about it. <laughs> he no-sold three cane shots to the head or whatever it was, as hard as I could. So they must have thought it was made out of fucking rubber or something. But it weren't. It was but you, but you are right. Like you go out, it's like, like even if you wrestle in front of like a couple of thousand fans, and you go out there and the match goes well, and you get a really good pop, and you go home, and you or you go and get your fucking kebab, and you go home, or you go to the next bit of town, or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever happens, or whatever. Like those things just become a blur of matches in your mind. It is only when something goes drastically wrong or something goes wrong in the ring or like you say like you know with, with you Shawnee when you're wrestling Mike and you put a hole in the fucking wrestling ring for everyone like you'll remember that over having an amazing match in front of like you know hundreds or thousands of people you know and, and, it, and it going well because what's there to remember about that that was the way it was supposed to go it was a cool feeling at the time you got your you know you got your buzz out of it um, everyone had a great night brilliant but that's not that's that doesn't make for a good story. That just that's that's your job. You're an entertainer. It's when things go wrong that that's where the that's that's where the stories come from. Or just or something funny happening when you're traveling on the way there, or you know, just a car a character you meet or something stupid or whatever, or your gear ripping, or, or you know, just something something different. That that's the like that's the shit you remember. You don't remember when things go well because, like I say, that's what was meant to happen. Yeah, well, it's a funny, funny thing you say that because um, when I did the did the like the Pontins camp, it was um, myself, Connor, Khan, Johnny Storm, and um, what's his name, Steve Morocco, um, and basically we did. I think we did four nights. And the thing was like, because the matches were all basically the same, it's like, right, okay, set up in one town, set up the ring, you do the show, the first matches, me versus Johnny. I'm the heel, Johnny's the face, Johnny goes over, Khan comes out and attacks Johnny, Steve comes out and helps out Johnny, um, and everybody, you know, you got two bad guys, you got two good guys, and then you have a tag match at the end and it all kind of blows over, and you, you do that night after night after night, and it's like, I can't really recall much of those matches because it was almost like as soon as m myself and Johnny had that first match down, it was like, right, okay, same again tomorrow night, yeah, brilliant, great. Don't need to go out there and plan every meticulous detail or anything like that. It was like, right, okay, uh, maybe we'll do something different tonight, and he's like, yeah I'll, just, yeah, I'll just call it in the ring or whatever, and he's like, right, I want you to do this, and, you know, it's those kind of things that you don't remember remember the things that we do remember are the interesting things like you said so it was me me and connor and b both at that time we weren't really partiers or anything like that we didn't drink we didn't kind of go out and obviously like johnny and steve there you know whiling out there they're chatting up all the you know all the the I don't know what they are, yellow jackets or whatever the, the Pontins people are. And they're out having a good time. And like me and Connor, the first night, I think we went to bed early, like 11 o'clock or something like that. Woke up early the next morning because we knew that they had crazy golf there and we could get there early before <laughs> <laughs> we could get there before like the punters turned up. Because I think like we basically had like free reign for whatever we wanted to do. And we were like, right, okay, crazy golf opens at 10 o'clock. We'll be there at like 9.55. We'll have a quick round of that. And then we'll go meet Johnny and Steve in the in the, in the hall for for lunch after that and it's like that 
that particular like set of events like really sticks in my mind because like we'd done the same match for like four nights in a row but we only did crazy golf once and we only got a lot of stick from it from johnny and steve because obviously that's not a wrestling thing to do the wrestling thing is you know you go out you pull birds you smash down drinks you know you get a bit of a laugh you come in late you wake up late you you go and do the the, the next show hungover but that just wasn't me and connor like we were like right bed early up early crazy golf in the morning back to bed before 10 o'clock and then on the last evening we got convinced to go out and um we did karaoke myself and connor did um what's the e17 song stay now stay now baby you got like me and connor connor giant like 18 stone six foot dude and me like standing next to us and we're both like serenading each other and like steve and johnny just sitting there just going you're never gonna get invited to a pontins run over again but like in a in a, in a funny way but it's just, just those funny things that you just remember isn't it from wrestling you, think, you say you say that the um like when when I used to do the uh the, the what you call it the all-star run, I just used to wrestle Nick all the time, like that was it. And for WAW I used to wrestle Nick all the time and we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of matches. So we never even needed to talk. The Pontins run exactly the same things. I had exactly the same match as you, although I was Connor in the in the Pontins situation. So I would be the one who come out and interrupted Johnny Storm's match. Or no, I was um I was uh Steve Danny Morocco, Steve Morocco's son's manager, who was here, or he was against Johnny. I was his manager. I obviously fucked Johnny over. Then we she up for the tag. The tag we, we you know, after a while was just embedded in my memory. So I don't remember any of the matches. I don't remember the match. I don't remember the crowd. I don't remember any of it. It's all a blur. But like I say, I remember singing karaoke. I remember singing Elvis um, and uh, coming off the stage because there was some woman. I was, I was singing. What was I singing? I was singing Can't Help Falling In Love With You. And there was this old woman, <laughs> like about eight years old, looking at me. She obviously loved the song was looking at me longingly singing it because I, I, I looked at a good Elvis. So I just started dancing there like whilst I was singing it and fucking that popped Steve and fucking Danny and whatever and they were going so I was fucking dancing this old one. I put my hands on her ass cheeks and all that shit for laugh. And just just stuff like that. Like that that you you are right. That is the that is the the the, the stuff you remember just 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 the actual you know the, the the camaraderie of it all and and um yeah because it is essentially like wrestling when you're on tour is it, pretty fucking it's pretty grueling it's pretty dull you have to do shit to amuse yourself in a way that's where sort of ribbing comes in and i don't believe in harsh ribbing like shit in people's bags and stuff like you know a little bit of fucking around and you know whatever you got you've got to keep yourself entertained because like i say you know, being a wrestler, like that 15, 20 minutes of fame that you get in the ring, that's very, very soon squashed by the fact you've got to get your tracky bombs and T-shirt on and take that fucking ring down and then go off to another town, which is seven hours away. You know, and it's it's not it's not easy, man. It's not it really ain't an easy life for anyone who wants to do it. But yeah, that's that's the that's a hard bit. It's fun. It can be really fun. If you're with a good crew of guys, it can be really fun. But uh, that's, that's, that's the key 
being with a good crew of guys and and uh, yeah, and just and just trying to make the dull bits the, the funny bits. So a lot of traveling, a lot of miles, and um, yeah, and it's you know from from I remember you know just realizing how hurt Johnny was really um, from doing those shows because he you know he, he couldn't sit in the van because if he sat down for too long his back would be fucked. So they, they basically made a special bedroom in the back of this van out of a mattress and shit. Out, not out of a mattress, out of a, um, a, a, what do you call it? One of those big gym mats, you know? One of those big, like, trash man, that's it, yeah. Folded it up in the back room and whatever so he could lay down because he couldn't sit down for that long. Fucking back would start screaming. And and, and I know what you mean, you know, it's, 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 it's wrestling as a as a living as an actual living um where that's all you do um is 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 a very hard job and um you know people the, the people who do decide to do it on the weekends or whatever you know um i it's to be honest yeah unless you're earning major money it probably is the way to go you know I just think I just think the only the, the the main thing about wrestling full time is you get so much better so quickly, um, just because of the majority of the matches you're having. But you know, if you want to enjoy wrestling, like enjoy it for what it is, probably the the, the weekend stuff is better. But like you you know like you would um, like we said before, I'm, when I started falling star wrestling. The reason I started it was because I was I was sick of um, wrestling, and I wasn't sick of wrestling because of the wrestling part of it. I was sick of it because of uh, of, of a lot of the guys and the and the way people used to get treated, and I I just I just didn't think it was didn't think it was right, and I didn't enjoy going into locker rooms and sitting there um, for hours listening to people just talk bollocks and act like act like assholes you know um at least with falling star wrestling you know that that sort of behavior isn't tolerated and i i, I do think um and i know you were sort of talking about it, Rob, I, do, I do think that falling star wrestling does have a very a, a good dressing room you know i know we take the piss and we have a laugh and but that's just camaraderie you know we're not bullies we're assholes we're not trying to you know really hurt each other's feelings um, there's, there's been, you know, in 10 years, I, I can't, I can't remember more than a, a couple of three fights, not fisticuff fights, just shawty fights. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's a good atmosphere that, that it's, that's part of the fun rather than the, you know, oh fuck, I've got to go. And it's like situations where, you know, it's been quickly defused it hasn't lingered you know people wear their grievances and um you know we just get on with the show and we get on with having a laugh i mean um because like we have quite a lot of personalities in our locker room we have guys like mike you know and um who's you know just you know big joker he loves to laugh doesn't he and then you have like freaking charlie who's just ribbing everyone and you know just it's you know it's just a good atmosphere. I mean, there's no maliciousness. There's never been any maliciousness. It's you know we're just having having fun, you know, and that's what wrestling is. Like you know, for um for a lot of us, you know, it is a um you know it is sort of like an escape. It's like escapism. It's escape from 
um you know from what you do or not on a day-to-day basis it's like you know like what being bruce wayne and then being batman you know that's you know for, for well, 20 yeah the, the, the other the other thing is is most of the guys in that dressing room 90 you know sort of 90 percent of them i've trained or have had a hand mm. in training so i know what people's levels are um but i also know that i can trust everyone you yeah. know, to go out there and not to hurt people, you know, not to hurt each other and and perform to the best of their ability, um, you know, and try and work safely. Now, I know wrestling isn't fucking ballet, so people are going to get hurt, um, and that's just the way it is. But in hmm. terms of trust, I trust everyone in that in that locker room to go out there and not try and hurt me if they hurt me it's going to be an accident and there's a lot to be said yeah. for that because that's that you know you can't say that for a lot a lot of locker rooms you know it's um it's it's and it's a huge important part for all the star wrestling which i'm proud of you know we go out there we perform um but i know that whoever i'm wrestling is going like i know if i wrestle either of you two i'm going to come back fine if mm. I wrestle someone who's inexperienced, I don't know that necessarily, but I know they're going to try the hardest not to. Do you know what I mean? And that's a yeah. that's a big difference. And I'm going to, I'm not I'm going to put a match together where you know it's extremely unlikely that that will be the case because I'm I'm the pro and I'm I'm the one leading through it. So you you, you get what I mean, didn't you? There's there's that mm. trust. I suppose trust is the word to take away from it. So even if we are taking a piss and being a little bit fucking Larry and, and, and you know, mm. whatever. But, but that's that's just to have a laugh. But really, we, we all trust each other, even if... even if Yeah, there's a big element of trust. Yeah, it's a huge element. Like, and, you know, from, like, from sort of, like, my experience, um, you know, people coming in, and even, like, guys that have just started, like, I think, like, for, um, you know, for guys we bring in, I think nowadays people are just so concerned of making a good impression for the promoter that they're not going to risk you know jumping the shark or you know trying to you know take liberties with anyone because you know they want that job they want to keep coming back um i think that's like the the goal of everyone you know so like talking about um guys on the uh, on the circuit it's that consistency trying to um, you know, keep getting those weekend bookings, weekend after weekend, and if you can, um, you know, get those daily bookings, get on the camps, then yeah, um, and eventually make that into 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 a um, full time job. Um, so there's not a lot of like, certainly like from my experience, I've never known anyone to come to an FSW show and take liberties, or even like shows I've been 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 on like elsewhere i've never really really seen that some people i mean some people like to like pop the boys and stuff but you know it's um you know it's that's just you know just <laughs> that's just is what it is really yeah well like for, for me sort of the 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 most of my sort of wrestling career and the most of my work that i've done in the wrestling ring has been sort of with falling star wrestling i've done a few sort of shots elsewhere but i don't think i have a single time where somebody has 
either tried to take advantage of me or tried to hurt me kind of properly. You know, some people might not take advantage in a sense of if, if you're kind of new, then maybe they'll, I don't know, in a way kind of lead the match in the wrong direction. Like, I don't know if they're more of a pro, they'll they'll try and sort of lead you down away and be like, oh, it's a longer heat, you know, I'm going to do this heat. And then you get like one move and then I'll do the finish and stuff like that. And I don't think that's necessarily like taking advantage, but that's more of a kind of maybe an experience thing coming in. But I guess I've never had that experience. I've never had anyone sort of purposefully try and hurt me I don't think I've never had anyone stiff me to the point where I you know I could see intent in their eyes Jim you might be able to kind of offer you know your experience on that one but Fury have you ever had anyone kind of take advantage of you like that at all no I mean like I suppose because like I said it's a different generation now I mean like I mean I can't certainly can't speak from um like for the generation back in Jim's day or like further back than that, I can only go by what Jim's day is um, like two years older than us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, uh, start, you started too late, didn't you? You should have started with yeah. <laughs> been a cripple by now. He's been doing he has been doing it man and boy. Yeah. <laughs> um but like I can't I can't certainly can't think of someone you know, who has just gone out and wanted to hurt me, hurt me or like, even like get their, get all their moves in or anything, you know, you just go out there and just try and do the best you can. And a lot of people, like I said, just want to make a good impression. Um, you know, so if, it, if it was me, if it's me going to a promotion where, where I've, where it's my first outing, you know, I'm certainly not going to say, I, I want to do this, this and this. I'm just happy to be there. I'm happy to be part of the show. So whatever you've got for me, you know, let's do it. If you want me to, you know, put your guy over, I will. And if you want me to, you know, get squashed, then I will. I'll whinge about it, but, you know, I'll get squashed. Yeah, well, as Sean rightly pointed out, I, I have been um, taken advantage of several times. But um, I won't name names, but the one thing I will say is that um, when it's happened, it hasn't, it happened um, by people that you would expect to do it. It's normally people who are trying to impress someone, um, or they have, um, or, or they're just basically shit. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're, they might not mean to do it. Some people might not mean to do it even. Um, I don't know. Um, but you know, if, if if you're if you're a pro, um, then any differences are normally settled backstage. Um, so the guys that you might think would be stiff and take advantage of you tend not to. They tend to look after you. Um, but there are some. But the, the, the people who don't, um, yeah, I, I don't know why they do it. Whether it gives them a feeling of power, but you're giving them your body so it makes no it, you know it makes no difference i said at a training school recently you know like i haven't really i've been injured like a, a, a few times or had um, in the past 10 years i've had some problems with my knees i did my ribs during that hardcore match with mike and just a few little things and you know if i tied it up over the past 10 years i've probably had about 
I don't know, maybe six or seven injuries that I would consider quite nasty. But my first 10 years of wrestling, I was flipping, getting fucked up loads. And, um, but that was for two reasons. One, again, different generation, people stiffing you and, and not knowing what they're doing. And, and, and B, also me not really know what, knowing what I'm doing, being put into situations too early and not knowing how, uh, how to protect myself. So the uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a mixture of things really, but um, but yeah, I have been taken advantage of, and it isn't very nice. And 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 you know, it was a sort of there is a sort of welcome. There was a welcome to the business kid sort of uh, aspect when um, when you started, but that was normally in training. People normally fucked you up in training. They very rarely fucked you up when you were on a show because. If a promoter had any sense, um, you know, he wouldn't do that on the show because people have paid to come and see the matches, good matches. Why would you want to kill someone? Do you know what I mean? Why would you want to totally just fuck up your opponent unless you had no choice, unless they froze or whatever, you know? Um, so it wasn't, you know, I can, you know, as happened to me in matches, but normally, um, it's just been with some someone being extra stiff, and um, anyone who's ever come to Falling Star um, from outside promotions uh, have normally been fine. But any time I've ever put them in a match, I've always said we work light. Do you know what I mean? I've said so. If you're into stiff kicks and fucking power bombs on the apron and fucking all that sort of shit. Don't really tend to do that here. So, you know, like look after your opponent, please, whoever that may be, and um, make sure you're a pro and you actually work. Do you know what I mean? And because I've always said, you know, no matter how good a match is, if you come back hurt, then I don't think it's a good match because, you know, you're pros and you're meant to be able to come back, shake hands and have a beer afterwards. You shouldn't have to go to A and E to have your fucking, you know, to have your leg sewn back on. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not the way it goes. Um, I suppose, I suppose the point, I suppose the point of this, this rant is, is, um, yeah, I do come from a generation before you guys, and it was a bit of a shitty generation, um, and I have been taken advantage of, but um, it doesn't seem to happen as much now, which is great, um, and. If it happened in Falling Star Wrestling, then all it would need would, would be a nod from me or to Matt, and that person would never be used again because, you know, I don't want people hurting my wrestlers or any wrestlers. Um, it's not professional, and it's in no way, um, you know, it's in no way helpful to the promotion or to the match. Who wants to see someone just get the shit kicked out of them for 15 minutes? It's boring. Wrestling shouldn't be an outlet. If you've had a bad day or your missus has been giving you grief or, you know, you've had a, you know, you're losing money at your work. Wrestling shouldn't be an outlet for you to vent your aggression. You know, it's at the end of the day, when, when we all come to a show, you know, we, we work as a team, we put on the show as a team and we take down the ring as a team, you know, and that's how it should always be. Um, and that's all how I've always known it to be. And, um, you know, and it's like a lot of like pros will say that, you know, ref- wrestling is a, pr- a privilege. And, you know, certainly for for anyone who's on shows at the moment or anyone who's who's out on the circuit and, and is, you know, 
getting getting their wrestling fix it is a privilege because um you know it's it, it you know like danny will be the first person to tell you like he's he's always told this story at seminars like when he first started he spent the best part of like six years just getting the shit kicked out of him before they would even consider him being in the ring and um you know and it's, you know it's just not you know, that just can't happen nowadays anymore because... Um... What, 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 what it was, um, it, it, there is a bit of an explanation to that, is when he was wrestling, there was a lot of money in it. So you were mm. coming yeah, in absolutely, yeah. someone, you were coming in and taking someone's livelihood. So they did a thing called a seven-year apprenticeship where that meant that, you know, if you could last seven years in this game after what we're going to do here, then you deserve some fucking financial compensation for it, basically. So it, that was what the seven-year apprenticeship was all about. You know, you you, you go through seven years of this, of our apprenticeship, then you deserve to be on our team and you deserve to make the money, you know? And um, so it was different then. But when the money went out of it, what, you know, some of the, some of the, the, the ethos of, of, you know, Kicking the shit out of trainees, still, 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 sort of, still, sort of hung around. And and the one thing I want to add to it as well, just, just, just quickly, if if someone said to me beforehand, before we went in the ring, right, just to warn you, I'm going to kick the living fuck out of you when we get in there, okay? Um, so see you out there. And at least that gives me a warning, so I can fucking not give him my body. Do you know what I mean? If I give you my body and you abuse it and kick the shit out of it, then what are you? You're not, you're not hard enough. You're not, you know, you're not like a fucking, you know, it doesn't make you like uh, Billy Big Bollocks. It doesn't make you like a fucking, you know, uh, Reggie Cray. You're not, you're not, you're not a hard man. You're a fucking pussy. Do you know what I mean? But if you tell me beforehand and I go out and stand half a chance to fucking fight you back and we have a row, then you know, great. At least I knew, at least I know beforehand. But if I'm giving you my body and you're and you're fucking killing me, then what does it prove? It proves nothing. It proves absolutely nothing. So do you reckon, like, because, like you said there, the the money has kind of disappeared from wrestling. There's not as many, like, I guess, territories for people to go around. You know. Uh, and it seems like nowadays that there'll be a promotion in a localized area and then, you know, people will flock to that and that'll become their like home base. And then you will use people from outside, but you kind of have a core of people and you know that if, if I was booked by you, Jimmy, and you said, right, you got to go out there with Furio and I'm like... I'm, I'm pissed off for some reason or I've got a grudge against him and I go out there and take advantage of him and I hurt him and he's your, you know, he's your number one guy. He helps you book shows and, you know, he was your first limitless champion and, you know, you're going to send him to the moon and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I go out there and hurt him and I come back and be like, huh, yeah, I feel so much better. You're going to say, well, Shawnee, get gone. Like, you know, I don't want you back here anymore. And then that limits my chances of going anywhere else. I have to then go to another place and start a relationship there and meet new people and, you know, kind of work your way in there. And I, I just think that people don't want to to burn those bridges. Do you think that's a sort of a fair say, statement? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, I, I, if, you, if you went out there and deliberately hurt him and I thought that that was what you were doing, um, when you came back, I'll tell you to pack your shit and fuck off and not come back. And, and the, you know, the, the reason I do that is, A, you've just hurt 
not not just a friend, um, but you know, you've also hurt one of my talents. And he, to be honest with you, even if you did it to a stranger, do you know what I mean? Even if you did it to someone who's just come to fall in Sarrested and, and I put you on with him because I could trust you and you fucked him up for no reason, I'd still tell you to get gone. Because the, the, it's called pro wrestling. It's professional wrestling. We are professionals. We go in there, we put on a show, we create a, um, a and simulate combat uh, whilst trying to tell a story and drag the crowd along, um, you know, to, to get a reaction out of them, um, you know, in which, in whatever way we can, you know, we introduce storylines and all that stuff. But none of that can work if you ain't got any fucking wrestlers because they're all too beaten up or, you know, no one wants to work for you because you've got a bunch of lunatics, you know, trying to uh, trying to smash you up every time you go in there and, and, and wrestle them. It, it completely de- defeats the ethos, not just of falling star, but of being a professional wrestler it, it, itself, yourself. You know, you can't, you just... It just doesn't work. It doesn't work in terms of the matches and the match structure, and it doesn't work in terms of of, 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 of the job. If you want to go and be a fighter, go and fucking, you know, be a fighter. Do, do MMA, do whatever, you know, do karate, do boxing, do whatever. You know, that's 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 where you want to be, do you know what I mean, if you want to hurt people. But if you want to be a professional wrestler, you know, you, it's... it's you're getting involved in a, in a job that's that's about protecting your opponent, not beating the shit out of them. And if you can't get that in your heads, I mean, we've all seen guys. Um, you know, you've all been with me. You've been with me roughly around about the same time, Rob. I know you've been around a little bit longer. But we've all seen people who've come through the training school, um, who've been boxers, rugby players. Um, you know, fucking people who've been in genuine combat sports. You've just, you've just not been able to get it. They've just not been able to get in their heads the fact that, what, I've got to lose, or I can't really take this guy down, or, I can't, you know, they've just not been able to get it in their ha- heads. And I understand that, but that means professional wrestling is the wrong sport for them. Um, you know, Rob, I know you've had a, 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 a long history in, 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 you know, in martial arts and stuff like that, but you've made the transition. Some people can, some people can't. I, I come from a background of absolutely no athletic endeavour whatsoever. So I understood pro wrestling for what it was totally. Um, I don't know about you, Shawnee, um, whether you did any any sort of um, martial arts, boxing, anything like that before you, you got involved in wrestling. But, no, not know, at you, all. The, the only sort of physical activity I, I did really was... I guess I sort of learned how to fall over because I used to be a skateboarder. So that's about it. I could take a bit of a beating and get back up again and, and get back on the board. But that's, that's, it's not really the same thing, is it? It's not, I'm not fighting the skateboard. I'm not fighting other people. I'm using that as a tool to kind of do something extra. And just the byproduct of that is sometimes I fall off, but then learning to get back up and, and brush yourself down and, and get on with it. So it's not really the same thing, but I do kind of get what you what you mean. And I had a similar thing when uh, I first sort of met Charlie and sort of see big guy. I thought, oh, okay, right, he's obviously done some like bodybuilding. How is that going to re- translate to wrestling? And then he's got his MMA background and, and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, how's that going to translate into wrestling? But Charlie knows what 
pro wrestling is. He's watched it all his life. He's been a fan. He's followed it. He knows that it's a story. It's not real. He wants to make it look real when he's shouting at fans and, you know, you know, grabbing people and slamming them around. But he's not doing it to hurt people. He's doing it to give the effect that he's hurting people. Yeah, and that's and that's precisely what it is. And I think some people... Um, you know, because they watch the WWE or they might come to come and see a few live shows. Um, you know, they 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 look at it and they think, yeah, yeah, I can fucking do that. I can pick people up and throw them around. I can fucking do that. They, they, they don't get the fact that it's not about picking people up and throwing them around. I mean, there is an element of that, but it's it, it's about the storytelling, the story arc, and and trying to entertain someone to the point, you know, maybe where they feel they can do it. They have, a, they have such a buzz at the end of the show. They want to do it. They feel they can do it. They come to training. They can't fucking do it. Like, you know, and then they take that first bump, which is you come to Jesus meeting, and then that's it. They, you can see in their eyes if they're going to come back or if they're going to last. And I'm normally right. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's physically demanding in a lot of ways that people don't understand. What, so fucking, so I've got to jump up in the air and fucking land on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, fucking, that's going to work. Yeah, I know. Do it. Oh, fucking hell. All right, well, what, so he's, he's going to pick me up and fucking slam me on the ground? Yeah, he is, yeah. But, you know, I fall now, so you'll be all right. Well, what's about, I've got to help him. I've got to post and shit, so it looks even better. So I go even higher and it hurts even more. Yeah. This is my exact um, com- when when um, Jade and Scar first joined, and Jim put him in the ring with me. This is the exact conversation me and Jim had. <laughs> like, I mean, I was happy with like with with like posting for other people, but when Jade and Scar came in, it's like, well, you want me to post for him? You want me to get slammed by him? Yeah, it'll never be anything. It'll never be champion. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, but, but the thing is, you know, and, and again, it, yeah, 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 you're right, like, but he got it. He, he was one of the people. He did, who got yeah, it. yeah, totally. Like, like lifelong fan, lifelong fan, and just, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is that, you know, I just, for me, you know, when I first got into wrestling, the thing that was going to make me hang around was the fact that I'd quit fucking martial arts, I'd quit the football team, I'd quit scouts, I'd quit fucking whatever. But I wanted to do something that I knew that I knew I loved just through being a fan, I, 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 and I just really didn't want to quit this because I thought that I because I thought I could do it. I just I just thought if in the end I stuck with it, I'll be able to do it because I was doing a bit of yarding and stuff. And like I know backyarding doesn't teach us any any kind of psychology, but you know you, <laughs> but you know you can take a few of those moves and stuff, and you know and. You just kind of like try and figure out how things work, and it? it's like having a kick around with a football. You know, you just try and lift someone up for a suplex or a slam, and you know if they land their head, oh, that's probably not meant to happen. But you have a rough idea of how it works, and then when you come to a training school, and um, you say, "All right, we're going to do body slams today," and you try, you know, you know, obviously there's like safety precautions in place and whatnot, but you can like fine tune it. Yeah, apart from a hand, a hand being out of place and. You know, just making it a little bit easier for your opponent. You're sort of there. You're more or less there. It's the psychology part and the punches and taking your time and all that sort of stuff. That's the bit that that isn't there. But I, I refused. I just re- refused to give up wrestling. It was what I just, I, I loved it so much. 
but I knew that if I got past the shit bit, um, I would, I, I would, I would be good at it in the end. And um, I, 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 it's just something I, I, I stuck with. And you know, I've never been one of those people like you, you, you two bastards, where you just say do it and you really fucking do it straight away. I've always had to. I remember Regal saying, Stephen Regal saying once, and it and it rung really true to me. Like, um, you know, obviously I'm nowhere near as, as, as Regal, but I remember him saying once, the reason I'm such a good trainer is because I'm so, uh, un, you know, un, ungifted athletically that I've had to learn every single thing that I've done. I've had to learn it from the ground up and repeat it and repeat it because I was just such a fucking klutz, you know what I mean? And um, I get that. That's, I get that, and I think that's why I'm quite a good trainer, because nothing comes natural to me in terms of any athletic ability. Um, in a showmanship, it does, but not athletic ability. So I kind of get what you meant, meant by that, and um, that, that, that's why I think I'm a half-decent coach, because I, I just did not have that athletic. Yeah, and it's... I mean, like for any, for everyone that comes in like a training school, there's going to be something that they're quite sh- that they're quite sure on. I mean, I was very confident with like the physical aspect. I, you know, if I might not be able to do everything, but I'm sure if like you know you show me a little loophole, I'd be able to work it out and you know give me time and I'll get it eventually. But you know, when it came to like match planning and psychology and where to put different things and what I should really be aiming for and the story I should be telling, I didn't know how to do any of that. You know, I was just happy to like get in, get in, get in there and just like do moves and stuff. And, you know, but it's, at the end of the day, that's not what it's all about. You know, we want um, to give the crowds, you know, a story, something that they're going to keep coming back to. And, um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but like what the um the Undertaker was saying on the Joe Rogan podcast. I mean, like he was they're saying there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of source, but there's not enough substance. I mean, I remember when when I was when I was a little ankle biter, not the neck biter, but an ankle biter. Um, and it was like in the in the days of like Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. And everyone was talking about it. They didn't, they weren't wrestling fans. Like people were talking about this guy beating up his boss on TV and how mental it was. And, you know, and, you know, these guys weren't like watching, these guys weren't watching New Japan or ECW or any of like the indie stuff or tape trading. These guys, you know, they're just, they're just flicking through the TV and they see, Freaking Austin's got a gun to McMahon's head and he's pissed his pants in the ring. And they're thinking, well, fucking hell, what's going on here? Um, uh, yeah, I didn't know. It wasn't like they were having conversations where going, oh, yeah, he whipped him to the ropes and then he clotheslined him and then he gave him a backdrop. No one gave a fuck about any of that. They might have known what a stunner was because he did about yeah. it. But that was about it. The rest of it was just fucking Austin 316, flipping the bird, like you say, just fucking punching yeah. people, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't about. That's what. That's when, you know, as, as a kid, to be honest with you, that's when I realised that it, 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 it. Well, as a teenager, unfortunately, when that was when the attitude year was going on for me. Like that was when mm. I realised it wasn't about the, the moves. Like the guys who did the moves were on the lower card. Austin was at the top, and Austin 
was hurt, so he didn't do a great deal at all. He was a brawler. And I just yeah. I just remember thinking there's so many better wrestlers than Austin because he was hurt. There's so many better wrestlers than Austin, but there ain't any better entertainers. And it did it did sort of click into my head then that that was probably more what it was about, you know, especially in that especially in that territory. But were you surely what bit did you sort of find particularly difficult? Um, or if you found any of it. Um, I feel like I was quite good sort of physically. Um, I think I picked things up quite naturally in that respect. Um, I think same as what sort of um, Rob said there, maybe it was picking up the psychology of things. Like I think when we were kind of running through drills and stuff like that, I knew that I had to be kind of open and play to the crowd and be loud and, you know, and selling. I was thought I was sort of half decent at selling, but I think for me it was like, it was, it was telling a story and I always had a certain story in my mind of how it would go. And I never really, it took me quite, quite a while to sort of figure out how to kind of craft a good flowing match. Because when I think back of some of the matches that I used to have and think, oh, they were probably okay matches. If I watched them now, I would find so many kind of areas that were like, missing or needed work on and they wouldn't necessarily be the moves i might be able to execute a body slam correctly or be body slammed correctly land on the floor flat out you know a nice bump not be hurt you know react to that get up sell my back and be like okay that that's good but then it's what i did after that it was maybe like i'd get slammed on the floor go out my back and then be like Oh, what's coming next? I don't know. Um, I look and looking lost and not knowing how to like link things up. And I think that's just something that you pick up as you do more and more wrestling. You know, you wrestle people like Madman Manson, you pick up these little things. You wrestle people like yourself, Jimmy, you wrestle people like Johnny Storm, Steve Morocco, you know, Bulk and Dave, anybody of that kind of caliber that have done it for so long. You just learn how to go with the flow and adapt within the match and just not kind of what I'm sort of trying to say is, is actually tell a decent story rather than what I used to think was a story was like, okay, right. We'll go out there and I'm the face, you're the heel. So you go out and you go, and I'll go out and I go, yay. And that's the story. That's, that's not really a story. That doesn't tell a story that just establishes who's good and who's bad. Nobody's going to get invested in that. And then I remember probably, you know, a couple of months after that, it was like, okay, so maybe selling a body part was, was part of how to do a wrestling match. And, you know, for the longest time, all of my matches would always be focused on a body part because I always thought that was what you had to do until I realised it was it was about kind of, it was this sort of to and fro of good guy, bad guy. There's, there's parts, there's beats, you know, almost like in a song, there's an intro and then there's like a hook, there's a chorus and that might be your kind of your first shine. Then you go into the verse, which is sort of a, a slower, more methodical bit. And then you might have a second chorus, which is the baby face comes back a little bit more. You might have the bridge at the end there. Here's a big comeback. You got your double downs. That might be like a bit of a breakdown. Then you finish the song off on a, on a, on a high note. And that's, that's whether, you know, the, the heel over, uh, overcomes the baby face and that's the way that sort of uh, match has to go or the, the the face you know has a big magical comeback and, and wins that and I never really got the flow of it until probably I actually kind of became PVC if that made sense like me stepping back for quite a few years 
and then coming back and seeing it in a new perspective and working with different people and having that good core base of falling star wrestlers there who had learned so much in the time that I'd been gone that I was able to absorb so much information by you putting me in matches with Jaden Scar and Jack Hammer and Furio, you know, and those types of people and yourself and, and just sort of going, okay, what I used to do was like, we'll go in there, we'll roll about a bit, I'll hurt a body part and then we'll do a finish. It was like, okay, we need to just tell a really, really good story, show who we are, show what we can do, but do everything in the right order and just not have this jumbled mess of two people rolling around pretending to, to be wrestlers. Does, does that make sense? It's like I've said a million times in in in, in wrestling, you know, like in, in on this podcast and also, you know, in training, the the moves are just taught, you know, they're the, and and or words, you know, and you've got to write a book, so those words have got to be in the right order to to make sense, so that that book becomes exciting. But you know, it's it's. It is difficult and it does take a long time and to you know it, it it's the, the problem is it never gets perfected you can get pretty fucking close to it you know when you watch some of, some of the guys from wwe and, and all the greats like phil michaels and undertaker and you know stuff like that but it it's it still isn't perfect and the the the, the thing is it's it's that's also one of the beauty that's also one of the beauties of wrestling like we're constantly chasing that perfect match that perfect pop that perfect story we'll never tell it but you know we will come pretty close and like you say when you do learn how to um develop that story arc and 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 tell it in the ring and just have that crowd in the palm of your hand and be in the ring and know that you've gotten there's that there isn't a better feeling there, there, there just isn't a better feeling to know that you've got them in the palm of your hand and they are fucking with you all the step of the way not just your hand i mean your opponent's hand as well like you that they're they're totally focused and get and completely immersed with what's going on in that ring yeah i mean i think like with you know with wrestling it's i think people you know concerned about changing the wheel but at the end of the day it's still a wheel um and you know it doesn't matter how many sparkles or stars or rims or whatever you do with it you know wrestling is always going to be wrestling and you know the great thing about wrestling is there's such variety nowadays and um you know it's it's certainly something good for people to get involved in um and it's you know it's gonna continue to be the best if not you know, one of the best entertainments on the planet. Cool, that was a good one. Thanks for listening once again to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Cheers to my co-conspirator, Jimmy Starr, for bringing the juice. And of course, thank you to our guest today, the Kung Fu Vampire, Furio. Always a pleasure, my friend. You can find Furio on Facebook and Instagram at Furio Vampire. And you can find me there too, at PVC Pro Wrestler. And you can find Jimmy on Facebook at Jimmy Star Wrestler. We appreciate all the love and support from you, the fans. And of course, we want to hear from you at Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. Before we shoot off into the sun, one more thing. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. All right, I am done. Let's get off. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and we'll see you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Bye. Bye.